One of the things that was really exciting about ASIO was the reading material. <laughs> In what way? Well, you know, you got to read stuff that people don't normally get to read. Oh, yeah, I can imagine right. that. Right, you get secrets. You, get, yeah, you learn Ooh. things that you're not meant to know. Right. But then there was the thing where you'd have to redact something. Someone would have, and can I tell you, the ultimate tool for redaction, a Sharpie. Of course. A black Sharpie, because you can't see through a black Sharpie. Makes sense. Right, but here's the thing. It's like, I kind of miss those days. I miss the days of being able to read reports. It was good stuff. Mm. But then, just last week, the CIA released a report, redacted, unfortunately, but by God, it was great reading. The the and the it and the no, <laughs> what was no, left no, no, over? No, because they, even though they redacted this report, there was still plenty of information. It was all about a murder. The murder Ooh. of a journalist. A brutal and horrendous murder of a man called Khashoggi. Let's tuck in. You're listening to I Spy, the dismembered body of Australian intelligence. I've run out of Ziploc bags to put all this stuff in. It's just everywhere. Just put it down the sink. Hello and welcome to iSpide. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm with David Callum. I'm pretty sure by now you know what it is we do. We talk about spies. We do. We do. We And we talk about spy-related stuff. Yeah, and we talk about the fact that I was once a spy and it is still the greatest shame of the Australian government. The greatest shame. Terrible. Um, today, I'm really excited to talk about this because this is something, especially as a journalist, that I particularly not only found galling mm. in, in the sense of it happened, yeah. but the fact that we know who did it yeah. and that no one is really serving any kind of accountability for oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. Some of the guys that did it are in trouble. Mm. Not the guy who ordered it, yeah, but exactly. certainly the guys that did it. They're in a little trouble. Some of them are being sanctioned. Yes. Mm. So we're talking about Khashoggi. Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi. So what happened was he was a journalist. He was a Saudi journalist, but he was living in America. He is an, an American resident. He wrote for the Washington Post. Yep. He was involved in a newspaper in Saudi Arabia that was quite critical of the Saudi regime. He basically was going, I'm not happy with Saudi Arabia. I think it should be better. And you cannot be critical of the Saudi regime. Well, you can be, but you Got to not walk into their embassy in Istanbul to get some papers so you can get married to your fiancé. Well, but you would not expect that what happened to him would have happened to him. Now, when you are critical of the Saudi regime... They tend to get cross. They do tend to get cross and they like to issue things called fatwas. Fatwas. Well, there was fatwas. You always get a fatwa. The the guys that were really big with fatwas were the Iranians. And we'll get onto that in a minute because this explains that there's a lot of moving parts to this. Yes. Right. Now, but essentially Khashoggi was upsetting the regime and upsetting one person in particular, Mohammed bin Salman. Yep. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And by all accounts, not a very good man. Ah, now here's the interesting thing. Everybody thinks he's, some people think he's great because Mm. he's allowed women to drive and in Saudi Arabia, of course. He's allowed women in Saudi Arabia to start businesses without their husbands. He's killed 49 uh, dissidents. No, that's not a good part. No. Uh, He's supposedly got this very progressive outlook, but underneath, he's not the nicest guy. He's not as progressive as he makes himself out. To be. Just so you know, even though he's the crown prince, that does not guarantee that he will become the king. His father is King, king Salman, mm. but King Salman was, of course, once a crown prince. But up until Salman became the king, there had been 10 crown princes between the first king, I can't, or the, the, the king before mm-hmm. him, I can't remember his name, 
and salmon now. There have been 10. Yeah. Right. And, well, two of them went missing. Two of them were yeah. arrested. Two of them, you know, they, a lot of things happen. It's yeah. very Games of Throny in there. It's like Games of Throne with really big tea towels. Well, I mean, in Jeddah, which is one of the major cities in Saudi Arabia, yes. they have Chop Chop Square, which is basically where if you steal, you lose a limb. A hand. And you can still get beheaded. Oh, they still do that. They still do that. And yeah. you can still go down and watch someone. Oh, yeah. Beheaded. It's like soccer. Yes. Um, a friend of mine actually was in Afghanistan during the Taliban regime, right before America slid in there. He was there as a sound recorder for the ABC. Mm. And he said they were outside a football stadium where there was a beheading going on, and outside were kids playing soccer. Well, and he said it was like the irony was it was like, hang on, this is a soccer stadium. And when they said to these kids, do you know what's going on in there? Oh, yeah, we're not allowed to watch. Dad's mm. not happy with it, but you know, we're going to skate out. Play soccer outside. Yeah, Saudi Arabia still do it. It's a very yeah. brutal regime. I uh, I actually have been to Saudi Arabia. Oh, really? Yes, my parents lived there for Ooh. a while. So I have been to Jeddah. I have seen a few things. Mm. I actually even performed. Not that kind of performance. Not but. the support act for a beheading. <laughs> I hope. No, no, no. I juggled for a crown prince during Ramadan at his estate. Oh my god! What yes. was the estate like? Pretty amazing. I remember going under cover of darkness because when they when they feast, it's between sunset yeah, and sunset, sunrise. Yep. And it was all a very interesting time, let me tell you. But I had to wear an abaya, I had to cover up the whole time. Yep. You know, it's still it still has a lot of tradition, but it's been amped up with modern modern day toys. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's everyone got- has fast cars, everyone has, you know, the modern mm. Well I've never they- been to Saudi Arabia, but I have been to its its next door neighbour and somewhat rival, Qatar. Yes, Qatar. Now, Qatar's very different. Yes, it's very different, but it's still got that very Sharia feel to it. Yes. But it's a little bit more open. And my God, the number of Porsches and Lamborghinis you see in that place is out of the control. And in Saudi Arabia, you still have the Matawas who walk around. They're the religious police who, if they don't, if you're showing too much ankle, they will whack you on the legs. Mm -hmm. So it's all all still very, you know, steeped in that kind of religious and traditional traditional sense. Yes. So this is. This is the headspace where we're going. Right. This is where we are. So here we have MBS who's taken over as the Crown Prince. His first thing he does Mm. is he has a war against corruption and manages to knock off any other candidates for Crown Prince. Yeah. Right. They're either imprisoned or, who knows, beheaded. We're not sure. (laughs) Interesting. So this is an exceptionally brutal regime. And then they go one step too far, despite the fact that he has denied it. And Mm. even though the CIA in this redacted report have said, look, he did it. It mm. was his security forces that carried it out. Yep. It's pretty – and there's no way – their intelligence service is very solid. They're very, very – like, it's quite formidable what the Saudis can get up to. There is no way these guys would be a rogue element. It happened in an embassy. It yes. was his security force, all right? It's basically – it was him. And also, the Turks recorded it. Which, which was kind of how everyone – knew that it had happened yeah. and how it was kind of the undoing. Yep. But let's break it down because this was a brutal death. Really bad. Really bad. When they recorded it, they recorded a forensic saw dismembering the body post. 100%. Yeah. Right, Khashoggi's remains have yet to be found. Because they're in little tiny bite-sized chunks. They've probably been through a mincer and washed down the drain for yep. all we know. I mean, it's shocking. It really, really was shocking. There's been calls from his fiance that. MSB, as people call him. Oh, no, MBS. 
MSB is uh, – no, I'm thinking MSG. That's wrong. Right. <laughs> MBS, uh, yep. Mohammed bin Salman. And let's call him MBS from now on because it's easier. MBS, uh, she's called for him to be convicted, tried – uh, and that's never going to happen. It won't happen. Now, there, there are multiple reasons why this will never happen, mostly to do with the Americans' relationship with Saudi Arabia. Holy crap. If you want to get into twisted and crazy relationships, US-Saudi relationships probably really, really cap it. It's yeah. crazy. It's and nuts. a lot of it has to do with oil. A lot of it, but not all of it. But not all of See, it. See, that's the really important thing. Exactly. Is, uh, even though I think 5% of America's oil comes from – it's not a big amount. No, it's not. But, the but a lot, And a lot of people like to believe that that is the sole reason, but that isn't. No, 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 no. no, no. I mean, that started back in the 30s. Yep. All right, when the Saudi – nation was pretty much first started post world war 1 and then the americans really started to depend on saudi arabia during the cold war mm. they they well they depended on them quite a lot during the second world war because that was the oil supply yep. they they had a safe su- supply of oil coming out of saudi arabia and of course they they built up on that now what they did is going into the 50s they realized that the russians saudi arabia would probably be the worst thing according yep. to the soviet union because it is a theocratic monarchy so it is a heavily religious monarchy yep right now that is antithetical to communism. Yeah. So, yeah, the Soviet Union would have taken one look at Saudi Arabia and gone, I hate you within a, a hair's breadth. I want you destroyed. And America, of course, going to go, you don't, you don't like them. We, we do. Yeah. Right. And, of course, America started supplying them weapons. Yeah. So here we go. We've got that going. And also the other thing the Americans did is they started using Saudi assets, intelligence assets in Africa to combat Soviet influence in generally West Africa, right? So we've got all that going on. It's it's amazing to me, like, when we think about America and, you know, under the guise of democracy, mm. how they mess with a lot of these Middle Eastern countries and quite strong Middle Eastern leaders. I mean, we look at Osama bin Laden, which we've touched on before, how he was trained by the CIA and given weapons and mostly- And was a Saudi. And was a Saudi, and but mostly to get the Chechens out of Russia. But a lot of it was all focused on Russia communism, mm. and a lot of it now has turned has come around and bit them in the ass. Bit them in the ass, exactly. I mean, the great thing was the Cold War sort of relationship with Saudi Arabia mm. really met its zenith in Afghanistan. Yeah. So wow, America has got the Russians trapped in Afghanistan. They've got their own little Vietnam going on. How do we make it worse? How do we break the Russians through this? I know we'll get Saudis in there and. Up pops Osama bin Laden, in he goes. Yep. He's trained for this mission. Yep. It's all set in, in concrete. Everything's great. Then the Cold War ends, right? Cold War ends. Now, all through this relationship, Americans have had a small military presence in uh, Saudi Arabia, yep. just training, right? But what happens right after the Cold War? Saddam Hussein pops up, takes over Kuwait, and America immediately go, we've got to defend Saudi Arabia. Dump 200,000 troops in there ready to go over the border. Now, the thing is, since the Gulf War has ended, they haven't left. Right. They've stayed there. They've remained in Saudi Arabia, which then, of course, incensed Osama bin Laden. Right, we have our second Gulf War. Yeah. Osama bin Laden, you get 9-11. As soon as 9-11 happens, again, America is turning back to Saudi Arabia for support. And, of course, the big bugbear that everyone's terrified about in the Middle East is Iran. Now, also, I should say just quickly to touch on September 11th, there were reports that as soon as that had happened, that America had quickly evacuated from the country mm. high-ranking Saudis. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. 9-11, yeah. there was a pl- literally a plane full of yes. high-ranking Saudis going just – even though yes. the entire airspace over the United States was shut down – one little 
regular plane goes flying. Yes, and that kind of angered a lot of people. Yeah. When that right. happened. But the thing is, it, you, when you look at what was going on with the Americans and the, the Saudis and the Soviet Union was essentially, and this was, I, I can't remember which president was quoted, they basically said, well, Saudi Arabia is a fundamentalist religious nation. Mm. America is a religious nation. Well, religion has got to be the answer to communism, so we can get into bed with this, these guys. Now, and this is the thing that's that's perpetuating now, is they're now locked into this essentially this love toxic hate. relationship. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, it's a love-hate relationship. And then you've got Yemen. Yep. Which is an utter mess. It's a nightmare. Right. So Yemen, tiny little piece, strip of land at the bottom of Saudi Arabia, and it's currently in a civil war that is basically being fomented by MBS, by the Saudis. Yep. The Americans have been like it was Joe Biden who actually turned around and went, we're not going to sell you any more offensive weapons because you're just throwing them at. Yemen, you're just yeah. stirring up this this civil war that is utterly destabilising the region. It's destabilising the region. A lot of people don't understand why the Saudi crown prince is d- doing that. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'm going to throw that to you. What do you say? Because right now my brain's gone. I've got so much information I'm trying to find it. No, it's it's literally I think there's a, a lot of questions as to why he's mm-hmm. trying to dis- destabilise that region. Mm-hmm. Um, is it to take it over, try and get part of it on his side for when he, you know, he he kind of brings that whole region together? The the former president, Salah, was yeah. like he was a brutal dictator. They always are. It seems really kind of crazy. There's so many brutal dictators in this world. Essentially, once he left, there's a void. There's a power yeah. vacuum. They put in another government. That government couldn't sustain itself. It was not a popular. It was, I think it was his assistant that took over, mm. right? It was destabilized. And then, of course, some rebels went, actually, we don't want to be part of Yemen anymore. We're going to set ourselves up. Now, the last thing anybody wants is an unstable nation on their doorstep. In Australia, we're lucky. The most unstable nation that we've got near us would probably be, geez, what? Yemen. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, that's an yeah. in, we've got the Indian Ocean yeah. between us and them. I mean, yeah. even when Indonesia was going through the, the throes of Sukarno and Sahato and BB moving into Dodo, who we've got now, mm. even though it was, a, it was a very fluid, very dynamic situation, we've got a lot of water between us and them. Yeah, and right. there was still an understanding that it was – there was a level of control about yeah, it. Yeah, and it's your problem, not ours. Yeah. And you know, the bleed-off is not – that big, but when and the also we didn't we didn't really rely on them for much. When the bleed off becomes rebels firing missiles or rockets yeah. at Riyadh, now we've got a problem. Yeah, right. So we've got to fix this up. Now the Americans have been pouring pouring weapons into Saudi Arabia trying yeah. to help stabilize it, but it isn't working because Syria is involved, Iran is involved. Saudi Arabia is involved. There's all of these different characters coming into play. And this this really comes down to the reason why America has a relationship with Saudi Arabia. Because the region is unstable and Saudi Arabia is, is the biggest player. It. Yeah. And, and I completely understand that. Mm. But at some point you also need to lay down some rules because America's really big mm. at telling everyone how to do everything. Yep. But yet underneath they're kind of – you know, exacerbating a lot of these problems. Of course. But that, that and Chalmers Johnson, if you've never read it, you've yeah, got to go out back. and read Blowback because it really does explain. Like, as we said in that mini podcast about Osama bin Laden, Osama bin Laden was a problem that was made by America. 100%. Because they gave him the tools that he needed and then they pissed him off. And, you know, there's nothing worse than someone who's been trained by you who doesn't like you. Right now, in Saudi Arabia, most Saudis 
do not like America. Oh no! Well, it's not just America. They just don't. They don't like anyone, anyone who's not them. Not them. Yeah. There is a certain xenophobia about it. Well, but what people also don't understand, and, and I try and tell people this as often as I can, that essentially in the 30s, Saudi Arabia, there were still nomadic tribes people. Yeah. And the English found oil mm-hmm. and said, we will give you money. And they went, what's that? And then so we have gone through, our countries have gone through hundreds of years, yep. like the Industrial Revolution. We've gone through all of this. John to, Law in France yes, coming up with economies. To, to and- get where we are now. But when you take a country that essentially was nomadic tribes people and then bring them into where they are at this moment yeah. in such rapid succession, essentially, it's going to ha- be problematic. Yeah, essentially a feudalistic nation has been dumped into the 20th century. It's problematic. And, yeah. and a lot of people don't understand that. Now, a, a great film. Pedro Tull, fantastic in it. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Now, most people go, oh, it's a great film. But the story of Lawrence was really interesting because he was the guy who actually went out with the nomadic tribes Mm. and they fought the Ottomans. And, of course, the Bedouin, the Arab nations loved Lawrence because Lawrence knew knew them and knew what could work. He then walked into the big peace talks at the end of World War I, I think it was, and basically said, guys, if you're going to do anything, you've got to do it this way. We've got to set up the Arabian Peninsula, in this way. So these various different nations, you know, you had the Kurds. The Kurds were huge. Yeah. They're not anymore. They're getting yeah. their asses kicked. Right, we're going to set up these. We should set them up as tribal nations and let them intermingle. Yeah. And America and Britain went, nope. France as well. All of the, the big powers turned around and went, no, it will be divided up into countries. We'll split Persia into Iraq and Iran. We'll have, you know, Kurdistan's gone. Turkey will be and, there. And-, and therein lies the problem. And suddenly you've got this problem. Yes. Now, so why are we talking about all this? Because it's kind of setting the scene for Khashoggi. Sets it up for Khashoggi, who is a guy who just wants democracy in Saudi Arabia. He wants yes. to break this monopoly of the uh, the House of Saud. Like any good journalist, he's asking questions. He's asking a lot of really pointed questions. Yes, and he's doing it from what he thinks is a safe space. Absolutely safe. In America. He's in America. Yeah. What can be what could possibly go wrong? Well, it went wrong. Well, it went wrong because basically when he said to the Saudi government, um, I really want to marry this girl. Mm. What do I need to do it? They went, Oh, you need to come to one of our embassies. <laughs> Yeah. And get a couple of pieces of paper. But he was under the assumption that he was in safe hands. Because when you go to an embassy, you should be safe. Yeah. And, in fact, I think we will talk about this. We're going to do a little mini episode about how embassies work. I'm yeah. Really, because it's, it's fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. So he goes to, I think it was Istanbul. Yeah. Which means it wasn't the embassy. Not, not Constantinople. <laughs> not Constantinople. Every time I hear that, I just Great want to say that. Song. Yeah, yeah. Istanbul. So he actually wasn't going to an embassy. He would have been going to a consulate. Yes. See the mini episode that we will do soon. What happened was he walked through the door. They closed the door behind him mm. and he was never seen again and was very shortly after not only not seen again, he was in multiple pieces the last time he was seen. Yes. So they recorded his murder. It was recorded by a bug that the Turkish intelligence service had placed in the building. And that had been late. Yeah, that was. Well, you know what? I think even the Turks went. Oh, this is too grisly for us. Guys, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And also the question they had. Video footage of him entering the building, but nothing of him leaving. And the questions are asked, where is he? Yeah. Right. The Washington Post wanted to know where he was. The American government wanted to know where he was because he was a resident. You are now under our protection. Well, you know, we, we say that, but Trump was pretty lackadaisical on pushing for the answers. Well, yeah. I mean, he made some wonderful statement going, 
Uh, this is the greatest cover-up ever in the history of ever. Which, I mean, honest to God, he is nothing but a sack of skin and shit. Yeah. And um, good rinse to bad rubbish. The problem was it wasn't just the fact that, you know, he didn't want to upset the Souds. It was also son-in-law Jared had a lot of business interests with MBS. Yes. Right? So, again, we have this problem of someone getting involved yes. in the wrong thing. So they, the government knows basically yep. what happened. Uh-huh. Now, scoot forward to the Biden administration and the CIA. Yep, release a redacted report. Redacted report. Now, the which report, essentially says this happened. We it happened. Who. We all know. Yep. You know, it's it's the world's worst kept secret. Yeah. The big thing was that report had been done two years ago. I think. Yes, but the Biden administration actually yeah, put they it released out. it because Trump went no, no, I need to know. Yeah, I'm I've got COVID, everything's fine. Right, he he had his little dramas. I won, you didn't. Uh, and then Biden actually campaigned on we will not only release this report, we will take steps to make sure the people that did this will be punished. And Q two, nothing happened. Q- oh, no, 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 no. Nine men have been arrested and yes. charged by yes. the Saudis. But I think a couple of them are now getting out of prison I also already. think that <laughs> the nine guys that were charged by the Saudis probably had nothing to do with it and no. it was MBS going, who, I can who, get rid who, of nine guys. Who, yeah, yeah. And also their, their families are now rich yeah. but they no longer have lives. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Right. Now, the other one was many of the people that were involved were sanctioned. Yeah. So – and. Here's a great thing. Sanctions are fun. One of the reasons why Obama was really clever when when they found out about all the electoral interference before he left office, let's sanction Russia. But let's not sanction the Russian government. Let's sanction all the oligarchs. Now, one of the reasons Mm. why everyone thinks Putin was so desperate to get those sanctions removed was the sanction was on him. Yes. He couldn't get his money, right? So all of the money just gets locked away. It gets, yeah. lo- you know, it's kept in banks around the world, earning what minuscule interest they earn. But you can't play with it, right? So sanctioning individuals, yeah, it's a great job because suddenly these guys they might be rich, but they can't touch. They can't it. do anything. The person that didn't get sanctioned was MBS. Yeah. And the reason why is he is the crown prince and he's influential within the Saudi government. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people have said, well, Biden did not come out strong against him. Mm. We know that he was the one who ordered yeah. all this. But essentially, what could what can he do? Well, one, they have stopped selling offensive arms to Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Well, as, I mean, they should have anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know. As, from a humanitarian perspective, basically, they should have done that. that. But, you know, uh, just on uh, – it's a very subtle way of doing it. I mean, there is the classic statement, which is a succession of American presidents have said this, uh, when people go, well, why don't you stop selling arms? Because if we don't, the Russians or the French or yeah. the Germans will. Yeah, it's well, a poor excuse. Yeah, it's a poor excuse because, one, they're not going to be selling the same level of technology. American yeah. weaponry is really, really good. And, two, they can't guarantee the one thing America does guarantee with – Saudi Arabia, which is we can help you if something goes wrong. Immunity. So, yeah. So, immunity. No, well, not just immunity. If Iraq decides to invade, we'll we, stop them. We'll support you. If yeah. Iran decides to bomb you, we will retaliate. Yeah. Right. Now, Iran in itself is a huge – that's an episode in itself and yeah. we're going to do it and it's going to do our heads in. But the most important thing is Saudi Arabia – as much as America is locked into Saudi Arabia, yeah. Saudi Arabia is locked right into America yeah. as well. 
right? And that's why even though a journalist whose intention was to try and improve his country walked in with the express into an embassy with the express purpose of just getting married, wound up in pieces, probably in Ziploc bags and being carried out in the track. And I read excerpts from the from the tapings, the recordings of of the murder, and it is beyond gruesome yeah. that this ha- even happened and it kind of strikes to the heart of like, you know, you cross the Saudis, you wind up in bits literally. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the essential problem we have now with Saudi Arabia is it's like they're there, what do we do with them? Yes. And I think that this is an ongoing story. Mm. The girlfriend is calling for all kinds of things. She's come out. I don't think that this will go away too easily. Nope. But I think at the end of the day, there is not a lot anyone can do about it. This is just one of the problems MBS has at the moment. He's got the problem with Qatar. That backfired on him. Yemen is not going well. The internal situation in Saudi Arabia is not good. And it could be very simply that, Daddy turns around and goes, yeah, yeah I I've had might enough. find another crown prince. Yeah, and the, what the other thing I should say, just to touch on quickly, he also, the crown prince also, this is a man who essentially did all his schooling, like, in the best universities mm. in England. Like, he's lived in America, he's lived overseas. He is, you know, for all intents and purposes, more forward-thinking and has, you know, lived the university life in other countries. Yeah, exactly. But yet when he goes back to his country, his roots and the way he approaches everything is just that kind of... Utterly steeped in that culture. Yes. So it's it's just very interesting. I feel like we're at a crossroads for Saudi Arabia. Like I said, Game of Thrones with tea towels. That's what it is. 100%. So I think let's just end it on that note. I think so. Yeah. This is this is something I'm sure we're going to revisit. Oh, 100%. More it's of this definitely. Is going to come and out. and I do think, you know, future eps will be will tackle a bit more of the Middle East and what's yeah. going on there because it's it is it is mind-boggling and you can't really get your head around all of it. We haven't even looked at Iran yet. No. And that's a big one. And that is a massive one. Now, I'd like to do something. It's very special. I'd like to do a okay. bit of a shout-out. A shout-out. A shout-out okay. to a fan. Oh, we um, have a fan. We have one. One. Um, and he's, he was the guy who put me onto Ruby Boy. Okay. The Australian Coast Watcher. Yes. Uh, I the remember. Australian Navy officer that didn't get paid. Yeah. Um, I would like a big shout-out to the Salty Sea Dog. Yes, that's what I'm calling him because that's his Twitter handle. Uh, Mate, thanks. We really appreciate the support and we've got more coming up for you. Now, if we have any more fans out there, one or two, feel free to reach out. Uh, Just uh, (laughs) at Icebite Podcast on Twitter. That's where you'll find us. And, uh, yeah, if you've got a question, if you want to know something about intelligence, if I don't know it, I'll find someone that does. He will, actually. I do. (laughs) 